0: We have almost forgotten that we are in a great mortal combat, a battle of the forces of good and the forces of evil. Today we are beginning either to domesticate the devil or else to deny him. God's definition of himself is I am who am. The devil's definition of himself is I am who am not. He is most powerful when he is denied.
1: Welcome to this Holy Hour of Power. This is War College. We promise you this is not low energy Catholic radio. This is high energy Catholic radio. We're two Catholics with PhDs in common sense. Uh, <clears throat> welcome to uh, to Wednesday within the Holy Octave of Easter. By the way, the month of April is dedicated both to the devotion of the Holy Eucharist, it's also dedicated to the Holy Spirit. And the tradition of the church has developed because Easter Sunday, which falls in April, uh, it's also the month of uh, where we celebrate the Eucharistic sacrifice that Christ gave us at the Last Supper, also the gift of the Holy Spirit to make us fishers of men. We call this Pentecost, which came shortly after Jesus' resurrection. Uh, today we're on with my good friend, Kyle Clement, and one of the instructors at Liber Christo, one of the instructors where I've learned a whole lot. It's purified my understanding of spiritual warfare. Uh, Welcome, Cal. Welcome to the uh, War College. Hey, good to
0: be with you, Jesse.
1: People love uh, Wednesday's show. They love when you and Dan are on. They love this. Uh, we got priests from all over the country are listening to the show as well. We got clergy. Uh, they just like the high level spiritual warfare. I got two questions uh, for you. I want to ask Kyle They're from uh, some listeners, some some faithful listeners. And this one faithful li- listener asked. Uh, she he said. I'm a practicing Catholic, he's a a young guy, but my roommate is involved in the occult. How can I protect myself? Can I pray and drive out evil spirits out of him and his bedroom? That's the first question for you, Kyle. I think
0: it's a great question, Jesse. I think what we're seeing is, uh, I, I think we're seeing the world in an apartment. You're seeing... The the world compressed into these two roommates, mm-hmm. um, and so very simply we cannot coexist. I think that we we simply not along with the with the occult practices of paganism and this kind of thing. Um, you, you, so he's going to need to get a new roommate. Basically, um, order your life to your faith. Um, So there's the short answer. So there's not a, you know, modernly we talk about, is there a workaround? No, there's not a workaround. You know, our Lord said very simply, you're for me or against me. And so he's in a prayer. He's in a house where one side of the house is praying and the other side of the house is cursing. Mm -hmm. And so this is not a sustainable uh, relationship or a sustainable situation. So um, choose and move on.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much, St. Paul says the same thing in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where he talks about how can uh, the Lord coexist with, uh, you know, how can the Lord coexist with, with uh, Belial? How can uh, children of light coexist with children of darkness? It's, yeah, it's the same. Uh, uh, at, but as he's leaving, Kyle, I mean, let's just say the guy has, say it's his best friend or something. Obviously, this guy, uh, he has to leave. You can't coexist in that situation. Um, what's a safe prayer for uh, a friend to pray for another friend, hopefully to merit the grace of conversion for that person in one day? Would you just recommend, hey, start doing a daily rosary for him and uh, and, and make sure that it's intentional that you're praying for him. Maybe, maybe uh, start doing the 3 o'clock Divine Mercy, the 12 noon Angelus what else would you say that he could do for his friend? Let's say it's his
0: best friend and he really cares about his soul. Such so a good question, Jesse, but simple is simpler is better. Um, you're not yet at a position to offer uh reparation. You're not yet at a position to, um, to offer things uh, mm-hmm. for his conversion unless he desires it. And so when you break this down into steps, the first thing you got to do is uh, affect a prick of conscience on the part of the person that that you are desiring conversion for or salvation for, And that prayer person very simple tolling just multiple times a day, every time this person comes to your mind Lord let them see themselves as you see them and let me see them as you see them. Um, that it's got to be that awakening that prick of conscience and then once that starts then your divine mercies then these things really have some value mm-hmm. um but you you can't it, it's like it being an emt watching a wreck you got to let the wreck get finished you got to let the cars finish crashing you got to let everything come to a standstill and then you can work um and so what you're looking for is we're looking for this uh, prick of conscience we're looking for this um Met, uh, repentance, then than the metanoia, which follows it. And, and one of the things really and truly that might help prick his conscience is if they really, if these two young men really have a, a pure love for each other, a friendship, is for me to look at, at you or you look at me and say, we can't live together because my faith is, is too important to me. It, it is more important even than this friendship, which obviously means a lot that's going to prick my conscience. If you can't live, you, a good man that I admire, can't live with me, um, then, man, that's there's a consequence of my actions that I've just come face to face with.
1: Kyle, give, me, give us a little bit of, of, of kind of the the spiritual theology of the light of Christ's prayer. When somebody, obviously, it has more power. Let's just say a mom and dad prayed it for unconverted kids. So when you project the light of Christ's prayer in,
0: in in the spiritual realm, what's happening? So a couple of things are actually you. you're asking great questions this morning. A couple of things are happening. Number one is it moves us out of the way. One of the hardest prayers to pray, especially with our apostate children, is Lord, let nothing in me prevent them from loving you. Um oftentimes the demon if he's present to them is is projecting and is bringing about our faults and is accentuating our faults none of us are without fault absolutely none of us are without fault and i think this is one of the things that that uh we've got to do is we've got to get to where we recognize truth no matter what mouth it's in and so that light of christ prayer this is a prayer you can you can legitimately or you can infer that a variation of this is what the prodigal father the father of the prodigal son was praying mm. lord let him come to his senses let him know that wherever he is he is loved um and and so it says in in that parable and he came to his senses and then immediately following that is he says i have sinned against heaven and against my father and so it's this realization of sin um oftentimes it's we don't have this realization uh, of sin. And so that's that prick of conscience. That's that um, prick of awareness that says, okay, my uh, actions, the consequences of my actions is I'm driving virtuous people away from me. I'm driving good people away from me. I'm being distanced from uh, right community. That's the prick of conscience that we're talking about. So metaphysically, what's happening is there is an awareness within the essence of the person that they are not within um, right order. And and it's that we have within us the natural law, which compels us to pursue right order. And so this boy's pagan practices, his occult practices are an offense to that right order. So the prick of conscience is, okay. this guy that I really love, that I like, my behavior is gonna cost this relationship. It's the same thing that the alcoholic or the addict goes through is that the, um, the behavior will cause him, cost him right relationships. And this is where mod- the modernists get ecumenicism exactly wrong is we have to told the truth, not in an exclusive, uh, exclusive way or an exclusion way, But in such a way as to prick conscience and to say, I want the whole truth. I don't want part of the truth. I want the whole truth. And I want that relationship with God. Um, And so that's what's happening metaphysically when you start to project that prayer. Now, there's a psychological element involved in that prayer. And that is especially if you're praying for an apostate child. Get in your mind a stock image of when that person was in sacramental relationship with God, when they were in right relationship with God. And that's the way you see that person. That's the stock image that you project into the cosmos. So that may be first baptism, that may be, uh, it may be baptism, first communion, confirmation, whatever the image of that person is, not their peers tatted up adulterous current self, but you wanting to project that image of when they were in right relationship with God. Um, and so that's what you're trying to project to let them see. Yes. At one point in time, I was in right relationship with God.
1: You know, it's funny you say that Kyle, but even, even bad guys know that. And I say that because uh, when a bad kid gets shot or a bad person gets shot, you'll see, that when the media asks for photos, the 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 family members of these I mean vicious gang members, they'll send um, photos to the media when they were like in little league baseball, first holy communion, and you see the guy that actually got shot. This guy was a thug from the Mexican mafia with tattoos on his head and on his neck and all the way down. But the but the but the stock images that they sent <laughs> to the media were when he was at first. So even bad guys know that they want to project. To society, the last a stock image of when their their son, who was you know part of the Mexican mafia for ten years, was in a right relationship with God or in right order, right?
0: Even
1: they're exactly right. Thing. Yeah,
0: you're exactly right, Jesse. And <laughs> I'll tell you, it just makes it, it makes it easier to pray for the person. You've got to be a gladiator. You have got to be a spiritual gladiator to pray for the pedophile priest. To pray for the soul of the abuser to pray for the soul of the criminal you've got to be a gladiator for the most part we're a bunch of snowflakes we can pray <laughs> for that pure child but uh, man right. we have a hard time yeah praying. i get it uh, we'll be right back
1: war college Wednesday War College. My name is Jesse Romero. Happy Holy Octave of Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We are here with Kyle Clement, one of the instructors at Liber Christu, and uh, we're talking about spiritual, all things spiritual warfare today. Uh, let me just repeat this. Uh, we got people that are on the chat room. Just want to make sure that uh, that uh, we got this right obviously the answer the question was i'm a practicing catholic but my roommate is involved in the occult how can i protect myself can i pray and drive evil spirits out of him and his bedroom so kyle the best way for him to protect himself is a would you say obviously live in a state of grace and move out
0: correct Yeah, live in a state of grace and move out us uh, you're exactly right jesse that's the short but let's let's look at this from another standpoint what if this guy, his roommate is saying uh, to his uh, warlock, look, my, uh, my roommate is this practicing Catholic. How can I put curses into his room? How can I diminish the prayer that's in our apartment? How can I, you're not going to, nor should you um, in, in interfere or uh, insert yourself into his bedroom. It's his private space. And then you have this common space where you can't coexist. But the idea that you're going to pray prayers over his private stuff, that's spiritual terrorism. Mm. This is the same as as people laying hands without authority. This is the same as loose women laying hands without authority. And understand something. I'm speaking to you as a gladiator. I'm not speaking to you as someone who has never had the snot beat out of them by the diabolical. I'm not speaking to you as someone who's never sinned. I'm not speaking to, to anybody from that platform. Please understand that. I'm a guy that's been been beat up and beat up pretty good but I'm still standing and I've learned a bunch of stuff and this is what I'm trying to share with you guys Um, bottom line when you step outside of authority when you lay hands when you are doing things that are outside of of authority that is when the demon has that sucker punch that's a free that's a free shot for him and you set yourself up to it and he's subtle He will lure you into the occult. You know, he'll say things to you like, in this case, you need to know everything about what your roommate is doing. You need to become expert on his occult practices so you can talk to him. Not so. You need to be expert in your faith. He'll tell you all kinds of stuff. You need to go on the internet and find out all you can about your roommate, about the occult practices. You need to do... Man, do not listen to that talking snake because he has just taken you out of right order, and he's taken, he's pulled you out of the defenses of being within your station in life, and he will beat you, and he will beat you severely. Let me ask you two questions.
1: So, as as people pray the light of Christ's prayer, uh, uh and, and we and obviously we want to have a, a stock image of the person when he was in right relationship with God. That image, in our, it's an image in our mind, or do like people get a picture of the person maybe in first holy communion, and they're holding that picture up? Uh, are we projecting this image mentally to God? That's the first question, uh, and and the second question is uh, is obviously we're praying for God to give him. That prick
0: of conscience, correct? That's that's the, the, the intention of that prayer, correct? It's absolutely right. And so I, I advocate that you put it on your refrigerator, you put it, you know, get bring those pictures out, have it on your phone. Do you have time for a five-minute true story on, on how this works? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. So about 10, 15 years ago, now understand that no good deed goes unpunished. And the reason I'm telling people you need to stay within your right order, you need to keep yourself clean is because there've been times where I've stepped out. All of us have stepped out doing what I do and for whom I do it. I'm not going to tell you I'm a high value target. I'm just going to tell you I've had my share of sucker punches. I've had my share of being jumped in the street spiritually, (laughs) the spiritual equivalent of that. So um, uh, this is not theory. Um, And so true case woman calls and her, her, her son, is living abroad, she was in the United States and he was living abroad. And he had become uh, involved with a young woman. They had moved in together and this young woman was in the occult. And so she had begun doing things to this and with this young man that were uh, inappropriate to say the least. Well, when she leaves him, and this is a normal scenario, very normal scenario, I don't wanna go deep into it, but uh, essentially there is a seduction there is um, a use and abuse, both spiritually and psychologically, sometimes physically. In this case, the uh, perpetrator was the woman. Uh, she moves out, leaves this boy devastated. And so she would periodically send him uh, texts telling him how reprehensible he was. Because the texts were from her, he did not have the strength to um, to refuse to, to look at it. He, he and so she was playing him along. Essentially, the demon was milking him for despair. The mother called because he had become suicidal. He had become suicide, had suicidal ideation, but it was of a diabolical nature. And we can go into that at another time. There's some very unique features to, to see that. But what he had begun doing to his mother was sending her pictures on the phone, text, of the method in which he was going to kill himself. And it was purely a form of psychological abuse against his mother. He was doing to his mother what this young lady, a form of what this young lady, young woman was doing to him. And so his mother was very distraught. She said, How do I, I fight this? I said, Pray. That, and his father was dead. And so uh, his mother was a widow. And so the prescription was go on the protocol, but pray the light of Christ's prayer. And every time he texts you, you text him back his. First communion picture, his confirmation picture, his baptism picture. You just constantly send that back whenever he sends you anything. Took six months for it to break. He went to confession. He's clean and he's still and he, he's living a liber- liberated life that's been over five years ago. That's the true story of how that works, but you just have to keep it up. Was she also doing the light of Christ
1: prayer in addition to sending him a picture? She was doing both. Yes.
0: Wow. Yeah, she was doing the light of Christ prayer constantly because in the prescription is whenever he whenever you think of him, whenever he's on your mind, that light of Christ prayer, and then she would do that projection. He send a text or a picture, send back no words, just simply a picture of him at first communion, his baptism, his confirmation. You know, Carl, it made sense. you,
1: you said something the last segment that this is that we can infer and I just read it right now during the break the Luke 15 the prodigal father uh, you're absolutely right I never I never made that connection that is probably some modality of the prayer that he prayed for his son because he prayed that his son would come to his senses and that's precisely what the light of Christ prayer is yeah. it's to give your son your daughter that prick of conscience uh, so that so that so our our when we're projecting the image, let's say, of our unconverted son or apostate son, we're projecting that image to God in prayer, correct?
0: Not, yes, not only to God, but we're letting the demon know that he's one because that's another the way we see our son. We don't see our son being in his apostate and sinful behavior, that self. We see that we're not projecting out there um, when he's in
1: right relationship. So, so we're projecting into to the cosmos just in prayer, to that spiritual realm where there's angels and demons, obviously. that That's that's where the projection is, correct? Okay. Uh, this is Jesse Romero. This is War College. We'll get Kyle Clement right back. Uh, we're having an interesting conversation about uh, the light of Christ's prayer. So the question was, uh, the person says, I'm a practicing Catholic, but my roommate is involved in the occult. How can I protect myself? Can I drive out? E- can I drive? We got Kyle back. Kyle, can you hear me? I'm
0: here. Okay. I can yeah. hear you, Jazz.
1: Yeah, so so we're projecting the prayer to the spiritual realm, to the realm of angels and demons, Correct.
0: That's absolutely right. I mean, essentially that is prayer, you know, and and, uh, the idea that we're going to pray for somebody, we all say, well, you know, I pray for these people every day. How exactly are you praying? Are you praying, well, Lord, please forgive this despicable murderer. Please uh, forgive.
1: We lost Kyle again. This is War College. My name is Jesse Romero. We're talking about all things spiritual warfare. And uh, we'll get them right back. We got Uh, exactly, yeah. Jess, I'm here. Yeah, okay. So, go ahead. Uh, So, we're and so all prayer, all prayer is essentially projection to the cosmos. That's what we're doing. And obviously, uh, you know, that it's communicated to God, it's communicated to
0: angels and demons and everybody else that's in the cosmos, correct? It's exactly right, Jess. You know, we used to talk about a term, especially in the Vietnam War. We talked about puffing smoke. Do you know the term? Yes. But describe it for the audience. And so prayers like puffing. Yeah. So prayers like puffing. Puffing smoke is when you're in the job or in a combat zone and you need an extraction. You you pull a smoke flare.
1: We are having problems uh, with uh, our connections with Kyle. And that's too bad because this is this is an interesting topic. I'm sure a lot of people are eating it up. You're listening to Jesse Romero. We're on with Kyle Clement. We're having a little bit of technical difficulty. This is War College on Wednesday when we go deep into spiritual warfare. Those of you that don't know who Kyle Clement is, he won't say, but I'll say it. He's been the case facilitator, and uh, he worked for the last 15 years with Father Chad Ripperger, the foremost exorcist in the United States. So Kyle Clement knows him better than anybody else works with him for the last 15 years. And so we're talking about somebody who has much, much experience in the field of spiritual warfare. Kyle, I guess, uh, the, the, uh, the bad guys don't want us to communicate this morning.
0: That could be one. That could be one explanation. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, so, uh, so, uh, there's a sec there's a corollary question here. Another person had a question. Another uh caller said, I'm a twenty-two-year-old that's on fire for my Catholic faith, but my parents are consulting a wizard and go to mass as well. What can I do? I still live with them. So I I I'm sure you're gonna give kind of a modified a modified uh answer uh with the light of Christ prayer, correct? Correct.
0: And so Again, you know, out of piety, um, your prayer for your parents have a tremendous value in, in right or piety. But again, you can't live there. You, you can't live there. Um, you've got to be about pursuing your faith. If you're on par for your faith, um, and that's great. Go be someplace where that can be fanned into an even bigger flame. Um, in the open time
1: Richard let's just have a okay I listen I'm listening to yeah have him call him yeah cuz this is too good you're listening to Jesse Romero on War College with uh, Kyle Clement we're talking about all things catholic stick around don't change that dial we'll be right back War College, Jesse Romero, Kyle Clement. For those of you that don't know Kyle Clement, he's not going to say it, but I, I, I'm going to say it. He is the most literate, informed, well-rounded lay Catholic in the world when it comes to healing, deliverance, and exorcism. Why do I say that? Well, he's uh, he's been working with Father Chad Ripperger as his right-hand man, literally his right-hand man for the last 15 years. Uh, and so there's nobody that's seen more uh, than Kyle Clement as a lay Catholic on planet Earth when it comes to healing, deliverance, and exorcism. Kyle, the question was, and now we can hear you. I think the, the, I think the bad guys didn't want us to communicate via via Zoom or Skype, but we still have the telephone. Again, the question is for those that are just tuning in. The question is, I'm a 22-year-old. That's on fire for my Catholic faith, but my parents are consulting a wizard and go to Mass as well. What can I do? I still live with them. Kyle, you said out of piety for your parents, you must pray for them, but you can't live there. What else would you, uh, would you, would you, would you, would you tell this young man?
0: So before you leave, before you just leave, is just sit down with your folks and say, look, what you're, what you're doing is inconsistent with our Catholic faith, and while I I want to practice our faith with you, I cannot practice these things with you, and so I'm bound out of piety to bring this concern as a member of this household. Um, but be prepared, be prepared to leave. It's it's not a, you're not negotiating. You're staying there. You're negotiating them um, releasing the occult, or, or their a- attachment to the occult. And for what purpose are you? You, you might just ask them. For what purpose are you consulting the wizard? What, what are you seeking? Um, because the form that you're seeking this is inconsistent with our Catholic faith. And then, what do you? What are you asking that God's not providing? And then why are you asking it? I think that it it gives the opportunity for a deeper um, relationship with your parents. But you have to be prepared to to leave that household. Um, you know, Matthew 18, our Lord says very clearly, "I come uh, with a sword, not to unite, but to divide, to set father against son, mother against daughter." This is our Lord speaking. This, this is this is our Lord being very straightforward. It's amazing the desire in the modern person for the occult, and we don't recognize the the occult. We don't recognize offenses against the truth when the internet is is just two clicks away, you can find out anything, uh, or you think you can find out anything. Some of it you should know, some of it you should not know, some of it you don't need to know, some of it's beyond your your station, but there's no filter, there's no, um, there's nothing to keep these people from going to the wizard or going to the internet and accessing knowledge and or power, uh, or supposed power. And it leads them into a very compromised position. So, back to your uh, young man, have the heart-to-heart with your mom and dad, and say, "Look, I, I can't stay here if, if this is this continues." Um, hope that's straightforward enough.
1: Yes. Uh, and would you also recommend, like for this this young man, he's leaving the house. Would you also recommend, like you did for the last question, that every time. That they think about their parents throughout the day, uh, that they pray the light of Christ's prayer, and uh, you know, obviously, to try to have the the parents get it, get this prick of conscience, so they can return to to back to right order with the Lord Jesus Christ. So, would you say the same thing whenever this young man thinks about mom and dad, project the light of Christ's prayer into the cosmos?
0: Absolutely, Jesse, because they're you know when we say their first confirmation their confirmation picture, their first communion picture, their baptism picture, they're not the only ones in that picture. The other people in that picture are in a state of grace. the other people and the parents uh they're in a state of grace and right support, they're in a right relationship with God through their faith, through their sacraments um so yeah, certainly. Um, I'll tell you that this is why it is so very important to have pictures like this on display in the home. If you're having a problem with your wife or your wife's having a problem with you, you guys get those marriage, fix- go through that wedding album, go through that, you know, bring out those things that are a testimony to our great and pure love for each other when we were in right relationship with God and with each other. And so, yeah, for him to think, Um, I'm sure his parents were at his confirmation. um, Visualize them in that state or whenever that last state was that they were in right relationship with God and not pursuing things in the occult, not pursuing things outside their station in life.
1: So once again, just for people that are just tuning in right now, metaphysically in the spiritual realm, as we are projecting the light of Christ's prayer, with either a picture or an image when a person was in a right relationship with God. Uh, what happens, once again, explain what happens as we project this prayer into the cosmos. Go ahead. You gave that, that prodigal father uh, example,
0: which was phenomenal. Go ahead. And so this, pro- this concept of projection is essentially, think of how a non-corporal being, an angel, how do they communicate? they have their they their faculties are intellect and will so they bring up a concept or an image in the intellect and then they will it into the cosmos the telekinesis if you will this is a form yeah. of projection and so this is temptation this is uh when we think ill of someone uh when we um hate when we have a grudge when we want to diminish someone's character when we want to bring up something in the past or even in the present that is um negative about this person accusatory then we're doing the work of the demon we are because he is the accuser that's exactly what he does he accuses us to god and he accuses god to us and Ah, this is the opposite this This is is the opposite the inversion Precisely. That's precisely wow. what this is. This, this is spiritual warfare, or actually it's a form of spiritual jujitsu, where you're using the momentum and force, negative force, and then you're turning it back on the diabolical.
1: Well, that makes total sense. Yeah, the, the demons are the accusers, uh, angels and demons. They project their thoughts uh, as well into the cosmos. And uh, and we're, this, the light of Christ prayer is the inversion of what the demon does. They accuse and we're trying to uh, bring an image to God of when a person was, again, living in a state of grace and in a right relationship. Uh, so, yeah, that, that that completely unlocks, I think, anybody's understanding of the efficacy of that light of Christ's prayer. Yeah, if you could repeat the
0: last thing you said one more time, Kyle, for people that are probably writing this down. Yeah, and so angels communicate this way, and so the non-corporal beings, and and all prayer is projection. All prayer is projection. Not all thought is projection. However, it can be elevated to projection depending upon how strong our will is um, to will the image, to, to will the image into the cosmos. And so when I say into the cosmos, I'm talking about into the ethereal, into the spiritual realm. It's not some new age term but cosmos is literally the order which god brought um, and imposed upon chaos so he brings cosmos out of chaos and so the reason i'm bringing this up is when we project that image of them in right relationship this is um it's taking the accusation and turning it around because the demon accuses us to god and god to us thereby damaging the relationship between us and God, um, it mostly, well, exclusively on our end. And so what this does is this reestablishes the medium of grace. It reestablishes um, when this creature was in right relationship with God. And so it's an understanding that, yes, not only was it achieved once, it can be achieved again again and it can be sustained. The demon does not want us to think that. Um, the demon wants us to think that God has abandoned us, or whatever we've done is so heinous that God will have nothing to do with us, um, and this is not so. Where humans are not beyond redemption, the demon is.
1: That's phenomenal. This is exactly verbal verbal judo or verbal jujitsu, what you're saying. So, Kyle, uh, you mentioned that that's the way angels and demons communicate. Correct by projection. Correct. That's
0: exactly right. Yes.
1: Yeah. So this is this is this is old school Catholicism. This is something that uh, you're not going to get at, at uh, Saint Diversity's Parish or Saint Miscellaneous Parish for sure. Kyle, let's <laughs> go to no- let's go to another topic, uh, and this will probably be the last one because I'm sure you're going to have a whole lot to say about this. Talk to us about the Epiphany. Home blessings, the epiphany, home blessings. It's supposed to be done on, on the Sunday, the Feast of the Epiphany. It's supposed to be done uh, by a priest, but it can be done by the head of house. It's a special prayer you can find on, on the internet, uh, You know the epiphany, blessings. Uh, you need uh, blessed chalk. It has to be blessed by your priest if the, if the man of the house is going to do it. And then you put on, on uh, the, uh, the doorways of the house of the, of the inscription, the year 2022 would be this year, 20, plus C, plus M, plus B, plus 22. You bless the doorway. Let me ask you, and, in regards to spiritual warfare, have you seen this as an effective tool? Because a lot of people use the term haunted houses. My house is haunted. Instead of, instead of using the term, uh, you know, house infestation until their thoughts are purified. So when a Catholic starts seeing preternatural activity in the house, uh, is the epiphany blessing one of the tools of spiritual
0: warfare that you would recommend? The epiphany blessing would be a tool of spiritual warfare I would recommend after the house the infestation has been addressed. Again, it's going to be a house divided if we simply um, paint the the, the lentils. Uh, if we simply put the blessing. So let's go back and, and look at this blessing from a deeper theological standpoint. Hold the thought. So, hold the thought. We're, hold the thought.
1: We'll be back. We're, Kyle Clement, Jesse Ramirez. We're going to be talking about the Epiphany home blessings. Don't go anywhere. War College. War College. We'll be right back. Get up, get up, get up, get up. Stand up, stand up, stand up for Jesus. This is War College Wednesday. War College. Happy Holy Octave of Easter. Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Uh, Kyle Clement needs no introduction for those of you that are involved in spiritual warfare. This is. Uh, I, I'm a black belt in karate. I trained with the best fighters in the world back in the '80s and '90s. I I, I could name you the world champions that I trained with. I am honored to be. Uh, uh, a student of Kyle Clement, a student of Dr. Dan Schneider. These guys are the absolute best in Catholic spiritual warfare. And we have one of them or both of them on on Wednesdays. Kyle, I had asked you about the Epiphany Home Blessings. And you said, yes, first of all, uh, the house we it cannot be infested uh, because then we're going to have a house divided. Can you proceed and tell us when this should be used? Property.
0: Yes. So once the house is cleansed, but let's look at what is the – somebody did come up with the epiphany blessing uh, out of whole cloth. And so let's look back and see what are the precedents, the precedents, what are – where did this come from? And so I'll take you to um, the concept of the mezuzah. A mezuzah was a piece of rolled-up parchment with a quote, at least one quote from Scripture that was attached to the doorpost in Jewish households and it and it would begin with um listen here o israel the lord uh, is god mm-hmm. and so this concept of mezuzah marks the doorpost now let's think about this so when we mark the doorpost in any place that the jew was living if you're in the jewish ghetto if you are in um the center of Jerusalem, Jewish occupied Jerusalem. The mezuzah is um, is a very common looking thing. But let's suppose that we were in um, we were in Berlin, in a an affluent part of Berlin. Are you and you're a Jew? You're going to have your mezuzah where it's out and ready, where you can see it, where everybody can see it. Uh, you see what I'm where I'm getting at? Yes, is yes, that absolutely. Yeah. Any of these weapons, we got to understand something. They've got a muzzle flash. They're gonna. They're going to. This is what would. uh, This is what gets snipers killed is the muzzle flash, Mm. because if somebody, the best ghillie suit, the best camouflage, any of that, he can't absolutely suppress the muzzle flash. And so, if someone sees the muzzle flash, then they've just spotted him. So you, no matter how powerful the weapon, it has other elements to it that, that you need to be aware of. And so the Epiphany Blessing is a very powerful weapon. Um, it also identifies you as a Catholic. Mm. It identifies you as a practicing Catholic.
1: Mm-hmm. It identifies
0: you as a Catholic who is willing to um, engage in spiritual warfare. In the same way that the mezuzah says that I am a practicing Jew and you will not enter this house unless you ascribe to uh, the Lord is God. So think about that. Who are you having in your home? Um, Is everybody that comes through that door compatible with this protection mechanism, this security mechanism you have? This is like the metal detector at the airport. Mm. <laughs> yeah, okay, I got it. Yeah. So th- y- we've got one more precedent that I want to talk about and that is this one. So the mezuzah is attached to the doorpost. What is the importance of this doorpost stuff? What is where else do we see that? We see that at the Passover. Where the whole Passover prescription is that you will uh paint the blood of the lamb, the sacrificial lamb on your doorpost. And not only did that protect you from the, in ancient Egypt, not only did it protect you from the uh, angel, from the of, angel death. of death, but who saw that? The Egyptians saw it. So when the wailing mother, Egyptian mother who had just lost her firstborn son, looks across the street and sees your doorpost painted, you're responsible in her mind because her son uh, is dead and yours is not.
1: That's right.
0: This is spiritual warfare. this is not spiritual negotiation. This is not what prayers can I pray so I feel good about myself. Mm. this is Jesse, you know this is putting your hands up this this is making a fist and putting your right foot forward and putting your hands up yeah. this is a This is a combat stance, so don't take the epiphany blessing as um something quaint and without meaning because it is absolutely full of meaning it pulls on the mezuzah it pulls on uh, the painted doorpost and and lentils of the uh, of the passover so that having been said follow the formula it is for the man the the male head of the household um, to to do this blessing as the head of his domestic church. Now, if he's been doing his job and he's been blessing the house and its inhabitants and he's been ensuring that there is uh, purity of practice and purity of thought, word, and deed, not only in himself but in those in the household, then the epiphany blessing is an affirmation. And it's something that is looked upon um, and and brings great solace. But I will tell you that the epiphany blessing on a doorway that does not have a holy water font, a holy water basin, um, you've got a little bit of a slacking there. You're doing something that's cultural. The blessing becomes more cultural than it does uh, combate or or toward the democrazio. Jesse, you're of an age, and I'm certainly of an age, that every door in every Catholic household, especially the ones you went in and out of, had a very small receptacle that had holy water in it, and you blessed yourself coming and going. You remember that? Yep. Yep. Yes. Mhm. So,
1: where are those anymore? We've lost that practice, but you'll find them in the Romero house, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you'll find them in the Clement house too. You know, it's uh, so. What you're telling me, and I, it's it's very clear. Uh, the Epiphany blessing—it's—it's it, going to attract the enemy, the diabolical. If there's a house divided, if people are not living a well-ordered life in a state of grace, what you're asking is—is is, yeah, you you took in a defensive stance or an offensive stance, but uh, you're not equipped to fight. So it's for serious Catholics. That—that's what I hear you saying. The Epiphany home blessing is for serious Catholics. That basically have the joshua twenty four fifteen attitude as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, correct
0: absolutely right jesse you you hit the nail on the head, um, and there is a difference there's a big difference between imploring and desiring relationship with the god with God solely for protection than desiring relationship with God for service um and and to be incorporated into his household, not as not from a, seeking protection in the primacy, but seeking to serve in the primacy.
1: Got it, uh, Kyle. You got like three three minutes to answer this question. Maybe we'll do it on the next time you're on. But uh, talk to us a little bit about the the theology of this. You know, this, this, I, no, that's not, that's not fair. I don't want to ask you about the Sacred Heart. There's just too much to talk about there. We'll save it for another time. Uh, for, for the next time you're on, because we got two minutes left. For the next time you're on, I want to ask you about. Uh, the Power of the Sacred Heart of Jesus in Spiritual Warfare. I know one of your friends that you know, uh, Monsignor Essef, he says he uses it quite effectively to do house blessings. So that, that we'll pick up the next time on that, on uh, the theology of the, the power of the sacred heart of Jesus uh, in, in reference to house blessings especially. We'll go through the theology of that. But uh, we got about uh, two minutes. Kyle, you want to wrap up some loose ends of, of uh, what we talked about today. We talked about the Epiphany Blessing, and we talked a lot about, and you did a deep dive into the whole theolo- theology of, uh, of uh, the, prayer, the light of Christ's prayer. For those that are just tuning in right now, once again, give a, a simple definition of this light of Christ's prayer, and it probably comes from Luke chapter 15. Go ahead, Kyle.
0: So this light of Christ prayer is one of the most succinct ways to articulate the desire for the salvation of another soul. That's the easiest way to say it. And Mm -hmm. if our desire for salvation is pure, then what we're saying is, Lord, let them see themselves as you see them, and let me see them as you see them. And what this does is it opens us up to um the the medium of communication between god and soul which is grace which is the desire for right ordered union and so this prayer is a it's a very short very succinct prayer but god is simple god is so very simple he is love and this returns us this prayer opens up the channels of pure charity, pure love of neighbor for love of God. You know, Lord, let them see themselves as you see them, and let me see them as you see them. If you will pray this prayer and live this prayer and use the projection of this person, the image of this person when they were in right relationship with God, it is amazing what happens to you interiorly by using this weapon. Uh, The purification and the increase in charity in you uh, is amazing. You also see the things that you are doing because God will let you see yourself in this. And you see the things that you're doing that are inconsistent, the accusatory things, the diminishment of truth, the attacking of an individual, uh, the, the attacking of behavior, the attacking of institutions that we do almost subconsciously. Everyone at least once a week should go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church and read the offenses against the truth. There are things which we can know that we should not know. <laughs> Amen.
1: Yeah, hey, you're absolutely right, Kyle. I I stand uh, accused. I I am guilty. Uh, I'm I'm glad. Uh, yeah, that was. I love that. That this is this is the most succinct prayer. To desire the salvation of the soul of another because it opens up the medium of communication between God and the soul, which is grace. And obviously it opens up the person uh, to return back. So Kyle, as they do this, this doesn't mean that they can't also do the daily rosary intentionally for the person Uh That Maybe the the angelus intentionally for the person The divine mercy Intentionally for the person Is
0: that correct? No, they're not exclusive Yeah, you're right, Jesse I'm not seeming to indicate that But your repertory prayers Your prayers of reparation And those prayers You want to really increase that flow of grace Once the person is disposed to the grace Got it, got it Kyle, will pick
1: it up next time God bless you, my friend War College. God bless you. We'll see you next time. St. Christ time, St. Christ channel. Up next, Gary Machuda hands on apologetics. Keep the faith.